Warning, this episode is not safe for work. It contains foul language, discussions of a sexual nature, and mention of bondage, rape, torture, accidental death, murder, and cannibalism. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, kinky, slippery, arousing, leathery, and everything in between. (laughs) Each week, we sit down for a remote chat in two different neighborhoods of Los Angeles, and we talk about something weird. weird. And this week, we are returning with part two of our series of sex. After our amazing chat last time with our very special guest, Chloe, from Stripper Stories, which you should listen to immediately if you have not already, we decided there was just too much left to cover, and we are shifting our focus tonight to sexual fetishes. What are some sex fantasies that might fly under the radar? When do kinks go too far? And when does risky behavior become just too dangerous and potentially criminal? Now, kinks are completely normal, and mostly they're just a damn good time for two sexual partners. But tonight, we might just get a bit uncomfy as we take a darker, deeper journey into the sexual world and really cover it all. Start thinking of your safe word, because this is going to be a wild ride. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. Hello. More like uncover it all. Right? Ooh, man, I really made a mistake with that wording. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. I think I yeah. said that in the, the description of Chloe's episode. It was like, strap in, weirdos, or should I say strap on? You did. That was my favorite line. I kept trying to think. I was like, get out your fuzzy handcuffs. But then I thought (laughs) safe word seemed more proper for this episode. Yes, it does. Um, I'm so relieved that my mom liked that last episode. Boy, oh boy. I am too. And honestly, so impressed. Like, Pam, if you're listening, shout out to you because... (laughs) She's the coolest. I mean, I already (laughs) knew she was the coolest, but this just sealed the deal. It's... And the funny thing is, I can talk so highly of sweet Jane, my mom, who does not listen to this show very often, but she's a very open-minded, pretty bohemian hippie lady, but I Mm. am very scared of her listening to the sex episode just because it was not talked about her whole life. But after Ashley told me about Pam today, I said, maybe I need to give Jane some more credit and tell her to listen, see what she thinks. Yeah, man. Hey, everyone, weirdos out there listening. Take that episode to your moms. Let's just yeah. see <laughs> Let what it open kind a of conversation. new relationships we can uh, start with <laughs> that raunchy, raunchy episode. Start uh, speaking and hopefully of not ruin. <laughs> raunchy, this episode is way worse. So, Oh, yes. Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> um, before we get into it, I did want to announce that we will not have a new episode next week. We're taking the week off. I've got a we've got to record and edit two bonus episodes and make a newsletter, which is all normal monthly stuff. But unfortunately, I'm going through something very tough right now. Um, some of you know this, but for those of you who don't, my cat Gabby, who is basically a member of the show with how many times she's interrupted mm-hmm. with meows and hitting the mic and farting on Lauren. Yes. Um, 
She's <laughs> we love her. Literally in our logo. Um, but she is dying. So without getting into it, after weeks of vet and doctor visits, we just found out she has cancer and it's metastasized and moved to multiple organs and is also in the connective tissue surrounding her organs. So the vet um, gave us four to six weeks. And for any of you who have ever been in this situation, you know that most of the time it doesn't even really make it that far. Um mm. Because once they are suffering or in pain, you do the right thing and get them euthanized, which is what we should do to people. But we don't have to yes. get in that today. That's <laughs> uh, for another day. It's the best way to let them go. But it's also so fucking hard. And I had to do it with Gabby's brother, Azzy, when he was six and his kidneys failed. And it's likely that I'll be experiencing that again in the next month. So definitely missing next week. Um, might have another week in there somewhere where an episode doesn't get released. So I just want to keep you guys in the loop. Um, of what's going on so you don't think we're just you know throwing our feet up because we're vaccinated uh, <laughs> never <laughs> it's for a very good reason it's yeah. i mean it's you need it for your the mental worst. health and you just have to take a break it's okay to like wrap up this episode this week we'll get the newsletter out and then you need some time to just be with your sweet kitty to yeah. you know grieve and to mourn and that is totally acceptable and i think our wonderful listeners are absolutely going to understand that especially because we have very pet loving listeners like yes, all of you do. guys send us your dogs and cats all the time so yeah i'm sure everyone's been through something similar or can imagine going through it and it's horrible, and you're going to need the week off. I even want the week off. I'm going to miss the goose. I, I, I can't even believe it. Lauren's coming over in a couple days to see her. Um, yeah, it's Say hard, goodbye. man. It just kind of feels like, like at this point, like I've done a lot of crying, obviously, but like sure. you just, Joe put it best. He said, I feel like my head's in the guillotine, and I'm just waiting for the blade to drop. Oof. Because it's coming yeah. and it's you just sort it's of coming. like, you know, you just have to wait and it's so fucking hard, but No, the waiting is the worst. We um, my cat had was, you know, going through kidney failure when I was in high school and we ended up just putting him to sleep because my mm -hmm. parents were literally like, I can't wait. Like I yeah. loved my cat, but my parents were I feel like especially my mom was, I feel like, attached to him in an even like deeper way. And I think it was yeah. just like, let's cut it off because I can't go through this right now and it's like everyone can make their own decision but that is that's tough the way it's very so. tough yeah and I mean you know she's not in any pain right now which is thank god um but eventually she will start being in pain and I I can't watch that either you know you no. can't watch them suffer especially when you can you know you can do something about it so right um, but sure. fun fun news, though, <laughs> to bring it back up. <laughs> Lighten the mood. <laughs> our bonus episode on our Patreon this month is going to feature myself, Lauren, and Amy having an honest and open conversation about sex. Yay. And we're going to talk about our own personal sex lives and pro probably sharing some like weird sex facts and history and such. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be available for our patrons. So if you wanted to donate to our show, please do so at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. And you'll have access to that episode as well as all of our others for at least a month or as long as you continue donating to our show. So that should get yes. you through the, the rocky few weeks I was ahead. just going to say, yeah, I was <laughs> like, I know you guys may be sad when a new episode doesn't come out, but just go listen to the Patreon episode and there you go. Hear more sex chat. 
I'm really looking forward to that episode. I know that I I'm too. probably going to say some things. The The warning ahead of that episode is going to be like, warning, mom, turn this off, please. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the one that Pam should not listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's we'll going to be special, but I'm very excited. But today, we're going to be talking a lot about fetishes. And before we do so, um, I, I actually want to go over some like misconceptions a little bit. Good call. Uh, for a long time, like literally all of time, especially in America, up until quite recently, all fetishes were viewed as deviant behavior. Yeah. As something wrong or dangerous. And that's just that's just not the case. Right. Sexual fetishes are normal. They're completely innocent behavior. Sometimes they do arise due to psychological distress or trauma. And yes, that can be upsetting and it, it can certainly lead to unhealthy habits. Right. But having the fetish is not weird or bad. So if you are someone with a secret fetish, I absolutely encourage you to not only explore it, but share it and talk about it because it is normal. Mm -hmm. That being said... The golden rule of all fetishes is consent. And yes. as everyone knows, consent is, is pretty black and white, but it is more than yes or no. An enthusiastic or at least confident yes is the only form of consent when it comes to mm -hmm. sex. Not a reluctant force. Pressuring someone yes. into doing it. Yeah, not okay. Continuing to do something when someone has expressed discomfort or pain. Not okay. Pushing your limits when the limits have clear been clearly set. Not okay. And that's something that really has to do with sex education, of which we basically have none in this country. Correct. Another good rule when it comes to fetishes is placed on the individual. And that is that you need to have a distinct understanding of what reality, uh, what is reality and what is fantasy. And we talked to Chloe a lot about fantasy and how it comes into play, especially with sex work. You know, she was saying that, you know, the girlfriend experience is part of it. The fact that they, yeah. they treat you like their girlfriend, that's part of the fantasy. Yeah. You know, but it also comes into play with something as simple as pornography, understanding that what you are seeing is two consenting adults acting out a fantasy. Yes. So if you are you intrigued. You could call them actors. I know people yeah. have trouble referring to porn they stars are. as actors, but they are. I mean, it's they're performing a scene that may not be at all what they're into sexually in real life, but they're putting it on for a scene because there's someone out there who's going to want to watch that and see that come to life. Exactly. And, you know, say you're watching porn, say you are intrigued by or aroused by, you know, rough sex, you still need to know that, uh, you know, it is a fetish, it's completely okay to explore, but you do have to have a willing partner and understand that when you're watching porn that features rough sex, you're able to separate yourself from the fantasy of what's being presented to you and the reality of the production itself. Right, right, right. Very important. Very important. The reason fetishes and kinks are paired with deviant behavior is an understandable one because when you look at things like serial rapists and serial murderers, th there's almost always a sexual element to the crimes, obviously with rape, right. but even with serial murderers. And yes, they have had fetishes, whether that's necrophilia, cross-dressing, bondage, but the fetish did not create the killer. Mm -hmm. in any way the fetish may drive some of the behaviors of that killer and the the methodology behind what that killer is doing but it is not the reason that that person rapes or kills they rape and kill right. because they are rapists and killers <laughs> exactly and usually also have a mental disorder that's going along with it mm -hmm. and so it's not that the fetish drove them to that that's like yeah. that is such a good way to put it because i think people will look at it and be like oh they had this crazy kink it's always just those 
sexual demons that do that. And it's like, no, 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 you're, you can't just blame it on this. You have to look at the person as a whole. They were going through some shit. Yeah. And like another thing we should understand about fetishes too, is that it's more than something that you enjoy because technically, even though you may have a desire to do something or a predilection for something, a fetishist cannot technically climax without their fetish present. So uh, if you like choking, that's awesome. Choking's fun if you know how to do it safely. But that doesn't mean you have a choking fetish. If you had a choking fetish, that would mean that you can't have an orgasm without being choked. Ah, And this is where the word kink comes in. If you like being spanked, that's a kink. If you can't come without being spanked, that's a fetish. And I know a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people will, you know, say, uh, oh, I have this fetish. And it's like, do you though? Because a fetish is something very, very specific. You might have a kink. A lot of people have kinks that they they call fetishes. Um, But a fetish is a literal, like, I cannot orgasm unless you're wearing latex or you know something like that it's like an all-consuming sexual Mm -hmm. experience uh which is why we see it a lot in serial murderers because uh it's it it seems like a signature you know the btk killer that seems like oh that was his signature it's like well it's actually his fetish like if he didn't have that fetish he would probably still be raping and murdering people but because Mm -hmm. he needed the 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 other steps to get to where he uh, wanted to go. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyways, I'm going to throw up. So I'm actually throwing it over to Lauren now because she's going to teach us about some lesser known sexual and darker sexual fetishes. Yes, I'm getting into a little bit of both today, but um, I thought I would start or maybe I should no. I'm going to start light. (laughs) I thought about switching it up and at the last second was like, no, no, no. Um, I first wanted to start with some of the lighter fetishes out there before I get into some darkness. So I wanted to talk about some fetishes that are out there and to also, I know Ashley already said this and I said it a little bit in the intro, but I feel like we need to keep reiterating that we are not fetish or kink shaming at all in this episode. We are more shedding light on some lesser known kinks, which I'm about to get to in just a minute. And then also, when I talk about, you know, the darker side of fetishes, as you will hear, it is because they are, they're crossing a line that goes into a more violent criminal act that I think needs to be talked about. But honestly, if you have a kink, if you have a fetish going on, you rock it, you talk to your partner about it and live your life. We want to just keep saying that and making it known. But I found some fetishes that I just did not know existed, and I need to talk to someone about them, guys. So, <laughs> And my <laughs> therapist like... is busy. Yeah, so I come to the Keep It Weird listeners. So one of the first ones I found was called lithophilia, which is arousal by stones or gravel. I feel was like just I want to so start fascinating. guessing what the fetish Ooh, that's a good idea because <laughs> you said lithophilia and i was like mm, books <laughs> definitely lit so stones or gravel is lithophilia okay. and that seems to be also what's interesting about these fetishes that i'm bringing up is that um you can't find that much on these either because it's so easy to google sexual fantasies fetishes kinks whatever and you'll find kind of the basic ones the ones we've all heard of the ones that you know people maybe think are a little funny but these this little 
research that I picked up here were the ones that basically you can't find any science behind or psychology behind or interviews with people who kind of explain themselves. So I sort of wanted to, I guess, leave it up to us to discuss kind of what we think about them. But when I read that somebody needs to have sex or can only be turned on by some sort of stone or cement or pebbles or gravel, whatever it is, that just makes me think it's all kind of sensory. Like I was going to say texture. Yeah. I'm like, I can kind of understand this. I, I feel like probably in high school or college, I had some sexual experiences that involved like a driveway or cement and <laughs> maybe the cold cement felt nice on my back. I'm just saying. But yeah, I would think it's a sensational thing. And a little bit of detail that I was able to find was that most of these people enjoy grinding around on top of pebbles or rocks. And it's almost like giving their back a little massage or their butt or their legs or, you know, wherever. So I'm assuming it's all about, you know, that sensation of rolling the rocks on the back or yeah. feeling that smooth or cold surface of the pavement. So I would imagine I that would definitely come from a sexual experience. Totally. From when um, you're younger, like yeah. or one of your As first, you to think? A picture or uh that would definitely come from some sort of experience and it might might not even have to be sexual. You know, Freud, a lot of people disagree with, you know, what Freud had to say and I don't even totally agree with a lot of um his theories but you yeah. know the sexuality part it's it's very obviously tied to psychology quite a bit our sexual sure. development um we know that we talk about it all the time but yeah. uh, so so it doesn't necessarily have to be a sexual experience it could just be uh, you had an experience that you enjoyed with rocks or pebbles at a time where you were developing sexually so right. like the experience might not have been sexual with the rocks but it but might it have been at the right yeah age. at a time yeah. where you're like i was what was i watching recently mm. Um, I was watching Dr. Drew After Dark. It's a podcast. Uh, it's basically sort of like Loveline. Um, yes. And uh, and he had, was basically talking about how a lot of um, transgendered men, so uh, women to men transitions, right? how they will come to him and say, you know, I had no idea. After they get the testosterone and they get the, they, they, they're just so shocked at how sexual and and just horny all the time constantly How the testosterone is just driving that mm-hmm. the whole time it makes you understand or try to understand yeah. men a little more yeah well and, and you know some women have high testosterone and and sure. probably went through um that kind of thing too um mm-hmm. but yeah so they, they were just talking about how like when you're a teenager it's just like it's your whole world it's oozing out of every pore in your eyes and it's all you can think about and like it's not fun it's not like this is awesome it's like i want to kill myself this is so miserable why am i thinking about sex every two seconds and why am i getting a boner as i'm sitting in my english class exactly sixth grade yeah yeah i do not envy that experience i will say i know we have to get periods and all the probably much worse things but i don't envy that at all no for sure yeah, so I thought that was an interesting one, and I can somewhat, yeah. I can understand that one. But this next one, formicophilia. 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 Formico- formicophilia is having sex with farm equipment. 
Oh, no. Damn. That's a good guess, though. I like that. I'm sure someone's into that oh, somewhere. Oh, for sure. Oh, definitely. Um, formicophilia is arousal stemmed from insects crawling or nibbling <sighs> on one's body. And again, no. I'm not. I, I'm not. It's gonna not the sex you. part that I'm even like upset about. No, it's, it's just, just bugs. bugs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and it's like you do you people, but to me, like I could just oh, absolutely never. It makes my body squirm, and I think. Again, it's it's sensory, I'm sure, feeling their little legs or people even like getting little bites, especially around their feet. So I don't know if that kind of ties into people, you know, have Childhood some pleasure pain. centers on their feet. Oh. People enjoy having like toes and feet like nibbled on, sucked on. I don't know if the bugs like fulfill ah. that in just a different creepy way for them. But, ooh, I'm trying to be understanding to this one, but it makes me want to cry just because I hate all bugs. I don't want a single bug in my home. No. My son brought me in a bug from the balcony the other day. It was dead, but he was just holding it out to me casual, like, Mama, what's this? And I was like, I'm, I almost smacked it out of his hand and scared the <laughs> crap out of him. But I kept my cool and just said, we're going we're gonna to throw that away now. But I, That's trash. I, <laughs> that's pure trash i can't I, I cannot do this one more power to you if you have the strength but some people like their sexual experiences with a side of bugs and i can't believe it mm. um this next one you actually may be able to guess it's okay. called nasolingus Ooh, nose yeah, yeah. it's like that one's pretty that was a good one. Sexual arousal specifically linked to sucking on someone's nose. It's not sucking just looking at a nose. It's interacting with the nose. Like wow. the, the sex has to come with tongue, mouth, all involved in someone's nose. And this is where it gets a little grosser because you okay. can sort of be like, okay, whatever. Some people, not everyone, like to also suck out what is inside the nose as part of the experience so there are boogers involved you know what i actually saw i just watched the your mom's house podcast live show that aired uh uh, last week and they uh for anyone who doesn't watch your mom's house it is extraordinarily not pc i don't even recommend it to people unless you are okay with just being like the general um feeling of being around comedians like i wouldn't have been able to take this show had i not managed a comedy club for a year because i mean no pc at all like they don't use any like any of the right terms for anything like extremely non-pc and they play a lot of like really gross or like horrific internet videos i don't even know why i watch it but i do because i'm talking <laughs> yeah, about it and i'm like this is not me at all but it, I, doesn't sound maybe great. it's because i know tom and sure, christina yeah. but if you have a connection to them that yeah. makes it different i get but it. they showed a video of this woman who was like hovering over a man's face and she was like snotting into his mouth Ooh, okay. Yep. That was, was that was this. Bad. It was like not I was unable to I was unable I couldn't to watch. watch that. Yeah. I was barely able to even read about it. I would not be able to view that. I don't know if you went through this in high school, it was like the known prank to all of the boys were going around to the Hello? girls and saying, Look at this video that I found. Hello? It's like really funny, saying that it's Oh no! I know what you were thinking of. Where you like blow on the person's nose yeah. and their yeah mouth and it like comes <laughs> out their crazy. mouth. 
Well, yes, that too. That but the there was a video going around um, called Two Girls, One Cup. I'm sure yes, you've all heard of it. of course. That is like that same vibe. Obviously, I think that's even 10 times grosser than the snot because that involved feces. And that's as much as I'm going to say about it because I'm sure all of you have heard of it at some point in your Two life. Two girls but... poop in a cup and <laughs> oh, Lord Ashley. And it traumatized me. I was told I was gonna like be watching a dog on a skateboard no. or something funny and that's what came up and I could not Evil. believe it. So it this just kind of reminded me of that where I think if I physically saw it I would become a little sick. Yeah, yeah. I don't and also uh, along the lines of like us trying to kind of figure out the psychology and where this comes from that one I can't really understand like Mm because you were saying i you were totally right on like things occurring in someone's sexual development that just have an impact on them but why would sucking snot out of a nose does it have to do with maybe um maybe their mom used the nose the booger sucker too long oh gosh the nose frida Mm -hmm. use it on wilder my gosh i suck snot all the time and i act like i don't yeah but (laughs) exactly but like you know don't use it on wilder when he's five (laughs) right exactly they don't remember it in their baby age yeah you eventually give them a kleenex yeah it could be something that they you know develop a i mean whatever it's not hurting anyone i guess but it's not and that's again that's what's important to say these are still the the tame ones but just just they're not like can you believe it (laughs) right um, then there's one, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's either Actorasty or Actorasty, but what do you think that could possibly be? It's a special word. Actorasty has to do with elbows. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay. But I like your, I like that you go for it and you guess, but <laughs> this is a sexual fetish that involves arousal from the sun's rays. No way. So. You just want to be outside on the brightest, sunniest day. Well, that's a healthy day. one. That's what I was thinking. I could I use some was of like, that one. I know. I should just go out in the yard on a nice summer day. <laughs> um, no, actually, like the website that I found this one on, the author was funny and was like, if you think you just enjoy sunny weather and it like is pulling you out of your winter depression, maybe you actually have this fetish. And I was like, no, probably not. I just like the sun. But... <laughs> If you in any way, like, really just want to jump your partner's bones when the sun comes out, you know, look back and evaluate. You might have this fetish going on. See what's happening. And then on to tack on to that one, there's also psychorophilia. That is a fetish that you love feeling cold Mm -hmm. and you love watching your partner feel cold. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too. Like, you enjoy the feeling of cold, but you also want to watch your partner be, like, shivering. Like, you want to maybe leave them in one of those giant walk-in freezers for a little bit and watch them be cold in their underwear before you guys really just go at it. I don't know. But I don't know if that comes from, like, ooh, you're you're shaking and I can see your knees knocking together and now I'm going to, like, come warm you up. I don't know if that's You know what it. immediately popped in my head? And I'm viewing all of these things from a a female's perspective, so I apologize to any of the, you know, uh, men out there, but I thought of um, Jack in the Titanic and how at that age, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio changed my life. Yeah. He changed your life. Hot, hot, He changed all the girls' lives. I wanted him to be my husband even when I was like nine. Loved him. I was in love with him. We were going to get married. He doesn't know yet. Mm -hmm. I'll let him know when I I meet him. (laughs) 
but <laughs> as if he hadn't heard that from a billion people. Right. That scene, you know, when he's hanging on to the boat and he's like shivering, he's still hot. Yep. He still looks so hot. He has literal icicles in his hair. His lips are blue. I'd his still... face is white as winter snow, but I would Pass still my hit number. It. <laughs> Be like, call me if you survive. I would hit it. Yeah. Yes. Maybe. So it could be something like that where they saw it in a movie and and it just (laughs) did it for them. All the young women watching Titanic have that fetish (laughs) for the cold. Cold fetish. Okay. I did have a few more, but I want to get into the darker side. So I'm going to wrap up with spectrophilia before I cross (laughs) the line, which I just had to mention because we've talked about it on the podcast before. Spectrophilia is the desire to have sex with a ghost or the attraction to spirits or any sort of entity that may not be there. There is the arousal part of it, the thought of having sex with ghosts that you know, turns people on, but spectrophilia is also the practice, um, which means it's a very controversial topic because there's no way to prove it, but there are many people in the world who believe they have actually had sex with ghosts or had any kind of sexual contact with a ghost, fooled around, kissed, whatever. There, again, there's no way to prove this. Scientists and ghost investigators alike are like, we, we will probably never have evidence on this, but there are people swear up and down that it has happened. They believe these experiences happen, and some people just wish that it would happen and want to summon a spirit because they sort of like that idea of, you know, being with something that may or may not be there, something they can just feel but not see. And there are even websites that try to teach you how to summon a spirit Hmm. put on by a, a couple of different psychics and mediums who, you know, have that claim that they've had sexual experiences with a paranormal being and they say okay here are some steps here's things you can do here's how you can open your mind here's a position to get in yada yada there are even succubus websites for men to go on to summon a succubus and for anyone that doesn't know that is basically the female demon that likes to come seduce men basically to gain a part of their soul or murder them or steal semen from them there's lots of different (laughs) folklore about the succubus but you can go summon one if you want to get lessons on the internet just you know you can really search for anything these days if you want (laughs) we need like a disclaimer that's like the things talked about in this episode (laughs) should be performed by professionals only professionals only like a jackass disclaimer I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm I'm scared for people to do it. But um, yeah, so we'll never know if the practice is actually real. But as far as just the fetish and the arousal, it is very real. And there are full on Reddit threads, Tumblr threads, all kind of things of people saying, you know, I have these dreams and these fantasies about something entering my room. I try to role play with my partner. I try to do things on my own. It's just a whole ghost experience. And I do have to say... That part of me understands this because when Casper kissed Christina Ricci. (laughs) Devin Sawa. (laughs) Devin Sawa, I thought I would really enjoy a ghost kiss. No kidding. I remember watching that movie just being like, come on, baby, give me that five minutes of human flesh. (laughs) Totally. But also, I mean, you think of the movie Ghost. I mean, Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, like that was a sexy, sexy scene. So if like anything like that could happen, hell yeah, sign me up. I always think of this when I'm watching the movie Ghostbusters because when I was a kid, I didn't know that that's what was happening because I I was not 
I don't know. I was an idiot when it came to sex when I was a kid. So when Dan oh, Aykroyd's yeah, laying on the bed and his like belt buckle comes undone and his pants get uh-huh. unzipped and you see him like moving around writhing and he like falls off the bed and you see the woman hovering above him. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> I know I've never done it. And... <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the face I make when my pants come off. Uh, i'm usually just a little chilly and like every time i see it i'm like i can't believe there's a time in my life where i was like what's happening i know i remember that too i truly had no idea what that scene meant when i was little and now it's like oh i can laugh at that it's funny because i i joe and i watched that movie we've watched it several times in the years we've been dating obviously because guess what still holds up every line is funny (laughs) sure does but we're watching it i was like did you know and he's like yeah I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Me so too. I knew. was just sexually advanced. I get it. Whatever. Yeah, I, I knew as well. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, Kesha and Lucy Liu both claim that they've had sex with ghosts, which I think I mentioned on our Holly Weird episode forever ago. And there's a British woman named Amethyst Realm, which what a name, everybody, who went viral a couple of years back for claiming she has had sex with up to 20 ghosts and even at one time got engaged to a spirit. I don't think the wedding ever occurred, but if it did, congrats, girl. I hope you and Ghosty are very happy. And that's Spectrophilia, (laughs) y'all. Um, which I'm happy we ended on a little more of a fun note there because I'm about to get so sad just for a little bit. Basically, the rest of this episode is sad, so if you're having a good time. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And again, a little disclaimer, having a fetish is totally one thing. Acting on it with a consenting, willing partner that you are not harming in any way, again, totally fine. Our fantasies and our imaginations are able to run wild in a safe, respectful, consensual way. But there is erotic desire that can go too far it can you know borderline with mental disorder which we kind of talked about earlier with criminals violent people and serial killers that you know it usually is a mental health issue that took the erotic desire too far so you just have to know that there is that line and that causing harm to someone or many people and even to yourself is never okay and you should seek help in those situations but If you keep it as a fetish and a fantasy, of course that is fine and live your life. But one of the first ones that I found that I never knew existed, and I'm a little mind blown, there is something called bug chasing. It is when a perfectly healthy HIV negative person is seeking an HIV positive person to infect them through sex. Apparently, it's very popular. Maybe not anymore. I think they've cracked down on it. This, uh, the article I read this from was older, and I imagine from what I know of Grinder now that they've changed some of their practices. But it used to be something that you could type in the chat or put on your oh, profile wow. that you were a bug chaser, and it was a casual phrase, pretty much you know only used on that app, but probably on internet chat rooms as well. Um, it's pretty crazy that this exists. Um, First of all, I there was an article about a guy who is HIV positive, but mm-hmm. um, has really low um, 
Oh my gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? Very low chance that he could actually pass oh. on the virus, but he does have it. And he said that he has been propositioned before by men. And not only did he not want to infect someone, even though he knew it would be rare for him, he, he didn't want to take the chance, but he also said that HIV criminalization laws are super severe and no jury would ever believe that someone asked to be infected, even if it was true. So the laws would protect the person who got infected and severely hurt the person who, in the beginning, had HIV. Even if they said, this guy asked me, I thought we were consenting adults, whatever, they would be, you know, imprisoned or paying outrageous amounts of money while the other person would get a free pass, because that's just how the justice system works. So he was both saying, I would never do it because I, I don't want to endanger that person, but also, why would I try to go to prison for this when they could totally just screw me over in the end. So it is just such an unsafe practice in many ways. Even though HIV is now a very manageable illness nowadays, like this, it's, this is awful. You should for no reason want to go out and, you know, contract HIV or put that on another person. I just, I think this one really needs to be shut down and also, I mean, put into the light. I'm glad that it's being talked about more and being shut down more on dating apps because I think it it's very scary and self-destructive. Yeah. So I, yeah, I could not believe that one. That one hurt my heart a little bit. People are doing that, but um, I'm hoping that one is getting a little more laid to rest. It sounds like Well, it and is. that's something where like, you know, uh, that's where the fantasy has to come into play. That's where you have to find a partner who you are comfortable with where you can role play and they can role play as a person who has HIV. Yes. That is a safe way to practice this fetish. Yes. You know, that's where you need that healthy relationship between fantasy and reality. You don't want to actually contract HIV. But yes. if that's a fetish for whatever reason, the fantasy has to be there. Make the fantasy happen in the bedroom. You know, yeah. find a way to act that out with a trusting partner, but you don't need to actually, you know, bring that into your body. Yeah. And you know, yeah. a sex, there was a sex expert that said bug chasing is most likely formed out of a fear of HIV, um, mm-hmm. most likely in, you know, the in the gay community. And instead of becoming a full-on, you know, phobic and being terrified of it, when the fear gets too high, their fetish develops because they think, well, maybe if I just jump on it and get it or, you know, face this and have sex with someone who is HIV positive, I'll be able to alleviate the fear, face it head on, this is my chance sort of thing, which is hard to imagine, but that does happen with people who have a fear that takes over their life. The connection or like the the dividing line between arousal and and fear is is pretty small. It is. It absolutely is. There's a reason that horror movies are considered aphrodisiacs because that releases some of the same endorphins. And um, so I can totally see a phobia turning into a fetish. Absolutely. Without any sort of cognitive, I'm going to do this. Just like all of a sudden being like, wait, hold on. (laughs) Now I'm turned on by it? What happened? Right. How did this switch into it? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. There's something of like that excitement and thrill and adrenaline rush that comes from fear that I could absolutely see it turning into that. But I thought that was interesting and very scary. This next one is definitely controversial. And I, you know, there are some situations where... This can be fine, but also it has a very violent past and is 
should not be done without supervision, but autoerotic asphyxiation. I'm uh, sure yes. most of us have heard of that. But basically, around a thousand Americans annually find their loved ones dead from self-inflicted autoerotic asphyxiation, which, you know, a thousand isn't a ton, but annually, I mean, that's pretty crazy that just from this sexual practice that that's happening. And it's not suicide. It sometimes looks like suicide, but it is actually an act of self-pleasure gone wrong. For anyone who does not know, uh, this is when you cut off oxygen to your brain. The result can be a little bit of a euphoric high. If done at the exact right time and the exact amount, you will get a little bit of a buzz from the lack of oxygen. Most people attempt this during masturbation with ropes, cords, and plastic bags over their head, but doing this alone in masturbation is so deadly, and that is where these statistics are coming from, because you can very easily pass out, suffocate, and die, and then you're alone in a room for who knows how long, and people, usually your loved ones, have to find you that way, so it's very unfortunate. Um, I actually almost brought this up on our most recent Hollywood episode with Mike. The most famous case of autoerotic asphyxiation is, I mean, I guess not the most famous, but it happened to a celebrity. In 2009, David Carradine, who was in uh, Kill Bill, he was found dead in his Bangkok hotel room. Everyone called it suicide at first, but then after more investigation, they ruled that it was accidental. He was very into bondage solo, which is one of the most dangerous fetishes. So this was just one that I think people really, like, even if you want to pleasure yourself, I don't know if there's a way to incorporate another person just standing nearby or watching or saying they need to stand outside the door. I know that might not be part of the fetish in their brain, so maybe that's easier said than done, but... Well, most people, this is a fetish that, you know, they're embarrassed by. Totally. So they're hiding it for Mm -hmm. a reason, and I do understand that. A lot of the, the deaths, I believe, statistically are teenage boys. Yeah. And they're trying to hide it. Yeah. And like who you don't want to talk to your parents about sex regardless. You definitely don't want to talk to them about the fact that like you choke yourself. Right. During. So. While you're masturbating. Yeah. Yeah. It just it really scares me in that, you know, there are so many deaths from it. Or even if you don't die, you can just be, you know, very badly hurt and still be hospitalized. Yeah. And have horrible brain damage because of the lack of oxygen. And. The one thing I did want to say is kind of a little to the side. There are kinks. As we said, fetishes and kinks are different. Breath play is a huge kink and can be done safely between two consenting adults, two partners who understand each other and who have safe words and safe signs that, you know, if you can't breathe and you can't speak, you do a sign with your body to signal the other person they need to let go of your throat or, you know, loosen the rope or whatever you're using. I don't necessarily think the breath play kink needs to be totally shamed and shunned. I think people can practice it in a healthy way. It is recommended that, you know, you do it sober and with someone you absolutely trust. And some people are into gas masks and all kinds of things. So that you go for it. You can explore those kinks. Sounds like you're doing it safely. But the whole bag over the head alone, that just, oof, that one freaks me out a lot. Um. Okay, Uh, there is a fetish of becoming an amputee, which blows my mind and also reminded me of that town in Florida that we talked about recently where people were cutting off their limbs. So I felt like I had to mention it because it was so similar. And it made me wonder, like, oh, did any of those people happen to have this or was it all for money or I'm not even sure. But there is um, first there is something called a 
acrotomophilia, which is a sexual attraction to amputees, and is actually a pretty common fetish. And this can be fine if you're engaging in a loving sexual practice with a person and you are solely using, you know, fantasy and arousal and not causing harm. But the more concerning fetish is apotonemophilia, which is the desire to become an amputee. And this fantasy of losing your lower leg turns you on. But maybe you should just keep it there, this fantasy of losing your lower leg. And if you actually want to harm yourself and chop off an arm or a leg, please contact a therapist as soon as possible because self-harm is not okay. And I think there would be some pretty instant regret, I would imagine, after that happens. I also wonder, like, how long that would last. Right. Like, if you yes. became an amputee and then you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, ten, like I almost said 10 years, but, like, 10 months later, you're like, oh, I, it doesn't turn me on anymore. And now I have one leg. That's what I'm saying. I feel like the regret would have to set in at some point. There may be, I don't know if there'd be just the instant gratification and then it wears off and yeah. then you're miserable or how it would work. I wonder if you could, if you went to a therapist, you could maybe try and find, because it might, that might not be the actual fetish. That might be how you've like visualized the fetish or, or how it's like manifested itself. But the fetish yeah. itself might be something else you might be able to get something more specific out of it by talking to a sex yeah. therapist about it and finding out saying, that like, like oh it's not someone. an amputee it's the i i like the way that the amputated body part looks like i'm, I'm not sure but like you might be able to uh you know get a plastic mold made of an amputated leg and that would be right enough. and make something happen yeah i'm not sure I know. I don't. I obviously we don't have the right answers. No, and not, I don't even like paper cuts. So no, <laughs> but that's why I was saying to contact a therapist yeah. if you were ever having that because it's like if you're having self harm thoughts, you should always talk to someone, a doc, but especially a doctor or you know a psychologist about it. But Ashley is exactly right. Is maybe they could help you kind of work through or work on this sexual fetish that you have and find a way for you to you know, still be turned on and still work this out with a partner. It doesn't mean that you have to be like, oh, you are shamed. I can't believe you ever thought this way. Like there there could be ways to go about it without actually cutting off one of your limbs. Yeah. That just doesn't seem like the answer. Um, there are so many more dark ones. And I know Ashley's going to get to another one. The last one I'm going to leave you with is symphorophilia, which is a fetish for accidents, tragedies, and disasters. Oh, boy. And again, as with all of them, there are people who, you know, try to do some sort of acting out of a scene or staging something fake in their yard that looks like a disaster. And even though still, to me, that sounds very dark and like something you should talk to someone about, if you're just staging it and you're acting it out, again, that is something that is you and your partner and whatever is going on in your home. But there are people who, you know, will go out to a bad accident or stand in front of a house on fire or, you know, just like watching millions of people die around the world on the news when, you know, a bomb drops on another country or whatever it may be. That is what's turning them on and they're enjoying people's pain. Those are the things that I think are harder to deal with, especially if they are doing the harm or what if they run their car into somebody yeah. because it's a turn on for them. It's like it can just... It can turn so quickly. So it's just something that 
As with all of these, it needs to be managed, it needs to be talked about, it needs to be safe, but my my my, to, to be turned on by the deaths of people and, you know, things being on fire, it's just, that's, that's something it's really hard, hard for me to reason with. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult to hear and difficult to think about, and I will leave off with that so that Ashley can tell you about something even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, this is Cameron from Florida Man on Florida Man. We're the podcast all about Florida. We do crazy Florida Man headlines, talk about our experiences growing up and living in Florida now. And then Wayne, one of our co-hosts, gives us a story every week about the legends, the lore, and the history that came out of Florida. We'd love for you to come by, give us a listen. Check us out at fmofm.com. As you were saying, like with these fetishes, you know, talk to a therapist, especially there are sex therapists and they're not just for couples mm -hmm. who are having trouble sexually. They're for individuals and, and they've heard it all. Like you're not going to say yeah. anything that shocks them. And it fetishes are not illegal. So unless you come to them and say, I am a pedophile and I, you know, touch children or I watch child pornography, like you are not going to get in trouble. You you just need to yeah. talk through sort of like what's going on and, and what concerns you have and they can help you with it. Right. What you should not do is suppress <laughs> these fantasies and uh, you will find out why. Yes. So in the psychological world, fetishes are called paraphilia, which is simply sexual interest in an object, act, body part or sensation. And actually over 550 paraphilias have been identified and there's probably many, many more. Now, paraphilia was actually in the DSM-5 all the way until 2012, which means it was classified as a psychological disorder up until then. So it really was very recent that fetishes wow. were basically studied and considered like, oh, wait, this isn't really a psychological thing. This can happen to anybody. Right. But yeah. about time they got studied. Yeah, I tell you. study after study has shown there's no correlation between a fetish and any sort of pathology. So any sort of like acting out in the in the world, but suppressing one or trying to condition it out could cause psychological damage that could lead to depraved behavior. And this is actually where things like sex work could be extremely beneficial to society. When you have someone who is is starting to become psychologically unwell because they are suppressing this completely innocent fetish for so long. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Chloe was telling us a lot about mm -hmm. that last week is like her dominatrix work. A lot of it was therapy for these yeah, people. Yeah, she calls it sex therapy. Yeah. Nobody was harming her. She was just helping them work out a fantasy. And it was it was helpful to them so they could live their daily lives without this suppression and this shame. So. Good. And I had a quick example. There's a serial killer named Jerry Brudos. And uh, if you watch Mindhunter season one, he's the guy who has the shoe fetish. Do you remember? Yes, I recall. So this man developed an attraction to women's shoes at age five. He just liked to play with them. He did like to wear them. Um, he had found a pair of stilettos at a dump that he just became fascinated by. And again, not immediately sexual. He just said they seemed exciting. It was like nothing he'd ever seen yeah. before. Like, not even in a right. magazine. And his mother 
was extremely emotionally abusive. Jerry had an older brother and his mother constantly expressed her disappointment that he, Jerry, wasn't born a girl because she wanted one boy and one girl. And he was born a boy and that was just immediately from birth. She was disappointed in him. And Oh, gosh. You know, and then she would punish him for wearing women's shoes. So there were all these contradictory signals being sent to his young developing mind. Yes. And when she found his prized stilettos, she took him in the backyard, covered them in kerosene, and lit them on fire. And oh. this didn't do anything to quell his fascination. If anything, it made the feeling stronger and right. gave him a really twisted idea of like what's good, what's bad, what's right and wrong, what's healthy and unhealthy behavior. Like he couldn't figure it out because he was getting so many crossing signals from his mom. Sure. Yeah. How do you even deal with that? And, you know, emotional abuse is, is horrific to a child. Like, don't shame your children for anything. Even if it's something, like, they should be ashamed of, like, there are ways to deal with that. And guess what? Yeah. Guess who can help you with that? Therapist. Get a therapist. therapist. Everyone in the world. Get Everyone a needs one. Even if you don't think you're unwel, you need one. They're just just get one. Jesus. So if you helpful. have health insurance, have a therapist. So Yes, yes. By the time he was 17, he was acting out violently towards women. All in all, he was convicted of three murders. He for sure committed at least four and many more sexual attacks on women. If he had explored his fetishes in a healthy way and wasn't exposed to the years of trauma brought on by his mother, it is likely that he would have never committed these crimes. Hmm. Yep. But the big questions come in when you ask, can you be sure? And that is why today I'm covering The Cannibal Cop. Dun, dun, dun. This is such a fascinating case. And as many times as I've gone over it, I'm still not sure which side of the coin I land on. Wow. Okay. So, I'm so ready and excited and scared and every <laughs> feeling, to be honest. So uh, the cannibal cop, his name was Gilberto Valley. And he, we're just going to kind of start the story when he met his wife. He met Kathleen Mangan okay. on OK Cupid in 2009. And at the All time, right. he was a police officer in West Harlem who was living with his father. The relationship moved very quickly. They got an apartment and a dog together. They were happy. But then Kathleen got pregnant and they weren't married yet. Um, she got pregnant and Gilberto seemed to completely switch off. He was freaking out. He felt that he couldn't do it and generally seemed miserable. And then after the baby was born, he rarely helped. Um, he would get home around midnight from work and stay up till three or four in the morning on the internet or playing video games. And Kathleen wouldn't wait up for him. She stopped waiting up for him. So that means they kind of stopped having sex. And when they would have sex, right. which was very rare at this point, Gilberto was unable to finish often running to the bathroom. And that started becoming embarrassing for him, obviously, and he started avoiding her completely. And now she obviously started feeling like so insecure. She wasn't pretty enough. Uh, wasn't what he wanted in bed. He wasn't into her after she had the baby. Her body changed. She was extremely insecure. I'm not going to lie. I would be that exact same yeah. way. I'd be like, he's just not into me anymore. What'd I do? So one day she opened their Mac computer and saw that he had not logged out of his locked account. And she had never really been curious about his online behavior until after they got married and he started, you know, staying up all night. And 
anytime she saw him browsing when they were together, um, he was on ESPN or some sports sites, or he was on something called The Rant, which is a message board for NYPD cops, which is probably okay. a living nightmare. Uh, I never want to see it. I would hate it. <laughs> I would hate it so much. But she did notice that he had started to erase his search history, which she started to think was suspicious. So when she got on this Mac, found the unlocked account, she was like, all right, let me just take a look and see what's going on. And she ended up finding a file that led her to a website called Dark Fetish Network. And she was pretty shocked. The front page of the site featured a photograph of a dead woman tied up. Okay, well. I cannot imagine that being, like, the first thing you find on that site. I would probably have a heart attack. Yeah. All right. Um, This scared her a lot at first, but then, honestly, like, before she even brought it up to him, made her feel better because she was like, oh, my God, it's not about me. It's about him. He obviously has interests that I had no idea about, and he felt weird bringing it up to me, so we'll talk about it and you know we'll we'll shop for sex toys and shit and we'll get our relationship back on track like i'm willing to experiment he's my husband he's the father of my child great yeah but he was immediately defensive about it he didn't want to try anything in the bedroom said that he liked the porn but that was as far as it went etc and he continued to stay up all night and they continued to not have sex so it started to bother her more and more um and she started to think maybe he's having an affair so in 2012 she installed spyware on their computer because she just did not know where her husband went yeah and boy if she thought the dead woman was bad oh gosh ashley she had no I'm idea scared. so the following day she found all the sites he was visiting late at night darkfetish.net, girlsinabind.com, fetlife.com, etc. She saw her own name pop up in chats and she started clicking on all of them and all of a sudden she was seeing pictures of herself. You're kidding. Pictures of her friends. Pictures. (sighs) He was sending these to other people like within the chat. Yeah. So it was like a, a website where you could like view porn, but it was also chat rooms where you could act out fantasies with people, with with other people who had your same interests. And you could sort of like act out a story basically, but they would share photos of people that were part of their fantasy. Yeah. She ended up entering her name in a search of Gilberto's email. And she said she almost threw up because according to Gilberto, she was going to be, quote, tied up by my feet and my throat was slit and they would have fun watching the blood gush out of me because I was so young. And she saw messages saying, if she cries, don't listen to her. Don't give her mercy. To which her husband would reply, it's okay. We will gag her. Oh, my God. So, Kathleen. I would actually the get fuck sick. Out. She was gone. Yeah. She was like, Bye. She went to Nevada. She took the baby. She was fucking gone because how scary would that be? That's horrifying. You absolutely take your child Mm -hmm. and you get the fuck out of the house as fast as you can. That's insane. She basically was like, my husband's plotting my murder. And not just my murder, but like my torture and murder. My brutal, brutal murder. Oh, my gosh. So once she got to Nevada and she was like, I saw what's on your computer. Like, I'm not fucking coming back. Like, this is bullshit. Uh, He didn't. He still didn't know about spyware. So she could still log on to the spyware from Nevada, and she did, and she collected more evidence of what Gilberto was doing. She found hundreds of images of women being tortured and sexually assaulted. 
she found Google searches of things like how to kidnap a woman and human meat recipes, which is oh. awful. Oh, no. She Oof. opened files with pictures of more than 80 women that he has sought out and saved off of Facebook and Instagram. And she had read email conversations Gilberto had had with three different people describing in detail the different ways they would kidnap, rape, kill, and cook these women. And oh he God. shared photos of her and her friends. He shared photos of his own female supervisor, a teenage girl who graduated from his old high school, some photos of his old college friends. So Kathleen called the cops because... Yeah, Duh. I was gonna say she needs to. She needs to tell <laughs> she someone was like, this. All is, right, well, it's sorry. just so scary. Um, I don't care that we're married. I'm calling the cops. And on October 24th, 2012, FBI agents surrounded his apartment. They actually very cleverly, uh, to avoid a shootout because they know he has a gun, uh, called him to tell him his parked car had been hit on the street. And as soon as he came outside, they arrested him. Apparently, one of the cops said to him, because he was a cop too, one of the police officers said to him, like, it's going to be okay. And Gilberto Valley was like, it really isn't. Because he knew Uh-oh. what was going on. He knew what they were about to find. Yeah. But here is where Yikes. the case gets complicated. Okay. Gilberto was in jail for five months awaiting his trial for conspiracy to kidnap and in the meantime, tabloids are going nuts and the FBI starts making their case and they start investigating what's what what he's doing on these sites. They believed they caught a man who was planning to abduct several women at once, including his own wife. They had emails in which he strategized about how he would do it, how he negotiated fees for kidnapping. Um, some extremely damning evidence came about when they searched his work computer and found several of his targets had been searched through the NYPD database. Because let's oh, not forget, this no. is a cop. A cop who has access to looking people up whenever the hell he yeah. wants, which makes it even scarier. And he has a gun okay. and a badge and power and very scary. That's why we're all terrified of the police. Okay. <laughs> it certainly doesn't Continue. help. Nope, doesn't help the case. But once the trial started, a different picture started to be painted of the situation because according to Gilberto and his lawyer, this was all a fantasy and none of it was ever going to be acted on. And how can you punish someone for a crime that was never committed, that was never actually done? There's a term for this. It's called thought crimes. And the term was coined by George Orwell in his book 1984, which is about a dystopian future in which people can be punished for just their thoughts and their opinions. And this is obviously a violation of our Constitution. Like, we have freedom of speech. Right. But when does it cross from just, like, words to a conspiracy to commit a crime or coercion or bribery? Like, those are still forms of speech, but... But the intent, the intent has to be proven and right. intent is hard to prove because you're not, you can't read a mind. Sure. So our government does this all the time, though. Um, we now know about the NSA and the monitoring of our online activity. Since 9-11, the government has used the monitoring of electronic communication to bring more than 200 prosecutions against people suspected of providing material support to terrorist organizations mm-hmm. uh, and basically it's sort of like what you call pre-crime which like there's a yeah. whole movie about it it's called minority report 
And it's about yes. like oh what God, would happen. It's a great film. It's a great uh, so short good. story too. But it, it's essentially like if we could see the future and we could see someone committing a crime, can we punish them before they commit the crime? And right. uh, I mean, our government works on it all the time. We've not only stopped terrorist attacks. This is also a way we've prevented mass shootings as well. Mm-hmm. And we've yeah. also been able to track down and prevent child molesters, you, you know, like a to catch a predator type situation. I yep. used to be obsessed with that show because yeah. I like I know that sounds weird to say about, you know, a show about creepy men. But just the fact of like, it's one of those things where you can't believe those people exist and mm-hmm. get so far in the conversation and don't think for a moment that someone isn't listening in or tracking the whole thing or I don't know. It's just it's all wild. Yeah, but the cases like that that get prosecuted and and, and people that get charged, in all those cases, physical evidence has been found to corroborate the online communication. So, for example, the men have to actually show up to meet the underage girl. Right. And then they're able to say, you know, come with us and we see you had intent. You had intent. You showed up. You knew she was underage. The suspected mass shooters have usually been arrested and found to have guns and explosives and under other paraphernalia. Paraphernalia, paraphernalia in their possession. Well, yeah, and they're usually posting about it on Facebook. I feel mm-hmm. like that's how people keep getting cocks. They're being dumbos on Which, social media. Like, but keep it yes. up because I'd yeah, rather please you keep showing yourselves. Get caught. Yep. Um, but in the case of the cannibal cop, it wasn't the case, and it's super complicated. Like, yeah. for example, in some of the emails, Gilberto talks about this cabin he has in upstate New York with a basement where he could keep these women as he tortures, kills, and eats them. But it turns out this place didn't exist. It was a lie. It was all just the it fantasy. It was just a part of the fantasy. Hmm. There were several messages saying that, like, so-and-so girls were going to be abducted and killed on President's Day, but that day came and went. No one was actually hurt. And then it was going to be Labor Day and nothing. Right. There was no physical evidence from Gilberto's home that suggested he was getting ready to kidnap or cook anyone. There were no weapons, no rope, no chloroform. He never divulged the last names of the women whose photos he sent, including his wife's, and never gave out any of their addresses, even after his online friends requested them. Mm. Well, that's good, at least. True. There are several places on the site, including the main page and his personal profile information that says he is just fantasizing and nothing like, he does not mean what he says. Hmm. Right? It's tough. Ugh, I was, like, absolutely hating this it's guy tough. and just wanting to throw him in the ocean. And now I'm like, I mean, I still think he's disgusting, but I'm also like, well, yeah, I mean, he didn't act on anything. Mm-hmm. What if it truly was just this crazy, crazy fetish? You know, because they're looking, I remember... Um, watching the documentary on this and they use the conversations in so many ways like you know we'll hear in the conversation like you didn't say no or you didn't and it's like you have to imagine you can't break the fantasy you can't be like oh yeah this weekend i i i stalked the girl i'm planning on killing and this is what i did and i Mm -hmm. researched this and blah 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 anyway would really i just watched football with my friends what would you really do this weekend like that they're not going to break the character that would be like no you know, everyone has experienced like role play in the bedroom. Yeah, exactly. And you can't break halfway through. You can't be like, I'm a cheerleader. And then all of a sudden be like, I'm 80. It's like, but right. you were just a cheerleader. Right. You can't destroy the fantasy <laughs> yeah. that ruins What's going on? 80 year old lady. <laughs> so this is interesting. 
Gilberto's lawyers wanted to bring in a forensic psychiatrist to weigh in on the subject and hopefully prove that Gilberto was not dangerous Mm -hmm. or make a case for insanity or something. They wanted to get someone on their side. So they called a man named Park Dietz and... Dietz had worked on some very famous cases, Jeffrey Dahmer, the Unabomber. He worked on Waco. He actually helped to convict John Hinckley Jr. after his assassination attempt. Jeez. Okay. For anyone who isn't familiar, because I just think this is interesting, John Hinckley Jr. was the guy who tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan to impress Jodie Foster. And his lawyers tried to argue insanity, but after Dietz's analysis, he was able to to determine that, yes, at the time of the attempt, he may have been emotionally unstable, but that his mental health state was clear enough that he knew the type of bullet that would do the most damage. He was able to plan step-by-step movements to get close to Reagan on the day. He was able to make other decisions regarding his plans, and his decision to fire when he did, when he thought he had been spotted, proves that he knew what he was doing and what he was about to do was wrong, and therefore he was guilty of the crime. So that's pretty savvy. Yes, very. So Dietz comes in to evaluate him, and he was aware that he had already completed an MMPI, which stands for Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. Um, it's oh, a standardized wow. test. Test. My test. dialect is interesting today. You, you're going places tonight. I like it. It was a standardized test (laughs) meant to identify personality structure and detect signs of psychopathology. And the MMPI showed no clinical psychopathology. And Dietz was like, that's not something I personally get to run into very much in this line of work. Um, Usually there are many signs of this. And he said he was alarmed. Uh, when he read the chats and the emails and truly didn't know what to think. Usually by the time he gets there, you know, the test is done. He can see all the places that this person leans into a psychopath. He kind of has a good idea. But for him, he was like, I don't know what to say about this guy. So dang, if even he's confused, what are we supposed to do? But he interviewed Gilberto for uh, about 20 hours over the course of three days. And this is where Gil opened up about his sex life He grew up in a traditional Catholic family and went to Catholic school. He was not inhibited or ashamed about masturbation, but he was repressed and inhibited around women. He was too shy to approach girls at all. Okay. Dietz also found out that in high school, Gil saw the movie The Mask with Jim Carrey and kind of locked in on an image of Cameron Diaz abducted and tied up and found himself aroused. This is what I was talking about earlier, how it could be something as simple as like seeing Leonardo DiCaprio cold in the Titanic. It's just an image that really stuck with him Mm -hmm. and became this this sexual thing for him. Yeah. And uh, so that was the very first thing that he can think of. And then in college, he found fetish websites, um, including one called Mookie's Kitchen, which specialized in staged cannibalism pornography. And it was things like women tied up on spits with apples in their mouths. That's a big jump, by the way. Yeah, that is a that's a big old jump (laughs) from what we were just talking about. So Gil found himself very turned on, but in real life. He treated women respectfully. He never hurt a woman. He never even had sex until he met his wife. Oh, wow. So he was not actually acting on anything sexual. Like, he was really keeping this to himself. Yeah. 
Suppression. Mm-hmm. In the end, Dietz said that he believed Gilberto was many, many steps removed from the kind of person who may start to take action on his fantasies. He said to become a sex criminal who acts on their fetishes, they have to have more than their fetishes. And uh. he also brought in the fact that Gil did everything in his power to ensure that he would be immediately identified as the offender if he did commit a crime. Like, yeah. he, he used a traceable IP address. He used a shared computer. He would, like, delete his internet search history. But he's a cop. He knows that, like, you have to do more than that. You can't just, like, yeah. clear my history and it's gone. Yeah, that's not the only thing you'd have to do. I It just seems like he was not trying to yeah. cover his tracks in a good way at all. And if he was actually going to commit a heinous crime like what he was talking about this this wouldn't be the way to go about it exactly. and he should know better as a cop so i i do believe that you know he he repeatedly google searched things like chloroform recipes but no actual purchasing of the ingredients or even like writing down the recipe and that shows that the research was part of the fantasy and not an indication of intent and maybe he was looking them up even partially, yes, I mean, because of the fantasy, but I wonder if maybe at some point someone in the chat, like, wanted to know what the best recipe was, and he wanted to be the guy that's like, oh, I oh, have, I have all the knowledge, one. let me share. Yeah. yeah, this is what I've been using. So just to skip to the end, I highly recommend everyone watch Thought Crimes, The Case of the Cannibal Cop. It's on HBO. It gives you all the details, including many of the messages. It is very disturbing. Yikes. But Gil faced life in prison for the conspiracy charge and a maximum of five years for accessing the Federal National Crime Information Center database without authorization. And he actually was found guilty of all charges in 2013. Wow. But the government appealed the dismissal of the conspiracy charge in 2014 due to insufficient evidence. Okay. So he served his time, I think it was like 21 months or maybe he served a full two years for the whole like using the NYPD's database because like what the fuck? That's yeah, fucked that's up. that's horrible. But the, the actual like conspiracy to kidnap ended up being dropped because we could not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he actually had those plans. Yeah, it is very complicated. You were not wrong. All of this being said, though, me, Ashley Cassidy, it's hard to say what I think about this case because obviously he was examined by a professional with, with a much more impressive education on pathology than me. So I guess, you know, take his word for it. But I think he absolutely should have been charged for accessing that database and using his ability as a police officer to indulge his fantasy. I agree completely. But I also feel like... If you have sexual fantasies that involve murder, violence, rape, cannibalism, that it's something that you should mandatorily have to seek treatment for. Yeah, I agree. I, I think with if there's any chance of a fetish going into a violent place, I mean, it's exactly what I was talking about right before you launched into your story. There are just some fetishes that you look at and say, this could go to a risky and violent mm -hmm. place so quickly that you need to be evaluated and you need to talk to someone before it gets worse. Because maybe you like, maybe you will see a therapist and yes, everything is just in your head, in the bedroom, on your computer, and that's where it stays. But you need to talk to someone and make sure that that is 100% true and that your mental health is in order. And mm -hmm. 
that you don't have access to a database that could get people in so much trouble and like, yeah, endangering so many women. It's just. Well, and I also feel like it's almost like doing a drug. Like eventually, in my head, eventually it's going to have to get more involved, more extreme. I mean, just look at it. You know, it started as Cameron Diaz tied up. He liked Mm -hmm. that. Then it moved to like bondage sites. He liked that. Then it moved to, you know, cannibal sites. And he liked that. Then it moved to these chat rooms where he's like plotting these things. And like, yes, it's a fantasy. But like, when does it stop? Like, when is it not enough anymore? Like, when does he need to up the ante? What's the next step after that? Yeah. Yeah, The chat room seemed bad enough. What if he needed to reach something else, you know, to hit his arousal and to get off? Then it's... That's when you have to be terrified and you don't know if it's just a fantasy anymore. You know, and it's tough because, you know, women have rape fantasies, but they don't actually want to be raped. No. They don't want of course a not. stranger to break into their home and hurt them. And right. even if they have a rape fantasy that they want to act out, it's not like they personally put themselves in a harm's way to satisfy their fantasies. They don't leave their door unlocked hoping to be raped. It's a fantasy. It's role play. It's, yes. it's pornography. But, you know, so so how can I say that someone who's turned on by cannibalism actually wants to cannibalize? Right. But regardless, like, that is true. it can't be healthy, right? <laughs> I know. For, like, emotional I mean, stability. I... Like, it just can't be. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that's kind of the theme of this whole episode where it's like, okay, if you're if you're keeping it as a fantasy and you're doing it with your partner and you're not, you know, inviting harm or violence in, then you're okay, you're good. But then, yeah, we also have this other side of us saying, but like, what if this goes too far <laughs> and what if you, like, aren't getting off anymore and you have to take it to the next level? Like, when will you be satisfied and when... Do you need to talk to someone? I don't know. Especially now with what we know about the pathology about or, you know, because like they said, like these these fantasies, there's nothing wrong with them, but suppressing them, hiding them. That's when you could run into problems. And he obviously didn't feel comfortable sharing this fantasy with his his wife. Right. So um, hearing about this case, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking Army Hammer. Yes, we had. I feel like we had a couple people write in and say, "Oh, this makes me think of Army Hammer." Yes, mm-hmm. yes, you nailed it. That's what a lot of us think of. And boy, were we all pretty surprised pretty when surprised. that news came. Out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Army Hammer, for anyone who doesn't know, is an actor. He was in the Social Network. He was fantastic in the Social Network. He was in Call Me by Your Name. He was, he was in Free Fire. Uh, he's now never going to be in anything ever again. It doesn't look like, but he's nope. been in quite a Don't few think things. So. He's also, by the way, he's part of the uh, Hammer Dynasty, if that's what you want to call it. Ah, uh, yes. Um, his <laughs> okay family are billionaires, so yep. um, he's fine. Don't no one feel bad for Army Hammer. <laughs> He'll be good to go. He's, he's being taken care of. <laughs> I don't feel bad for him, but there was definitely shock value. Oh, I, my God. Because I was like, oh, what a talented actor with nice teeth. I like him. Yeah. He, the Army Hammer is definitely a case where, like, I'm, I'm going to go into it real quick, but it's definitely a case where it's like, can someone have too much money? Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. You know what I mean? So anyways, mm-hmm. he's a guy that we now have to look at and say, like, okay, is this a harmless fetish or is this a predator? Can this fetish ever really be totally harmless? And, you know, if it weren't for the sexual assault allegations, because for anyone who doesn't know, it's not just intense messages about 
fucking women's open rib cages and eating their warm hearts, he's also been accused of violently sexually assaulting women. Uh-huh. Which, you know, now it's like, well, that's, the line's been crossed, buddy. Yes, that one is a very clear one. Uh, he actually has been accused of uh, sexually assaulting a woman for over four hours in 2017. According to her, she met Hammer on Facebook in 2016 when she was 20 years old. And while he was married, they started an online relationship, constantly messaging, sexting, even calling each other. And she said he would often test her devotion to him, removing and crossing boundaries as he became increasingly more violent. She said he Ugh. abused her mentally, emotionally, and then sexually in 2017, where he violently raped her for over four hours in Los Angeles. She said he repeatedly slammed her head against the wall and committed other acts of violence to which she did not consent, including beating her feet with a crop. She said she tried to get away, but he wouldn't let her, and she was convinced that she was going to die. Oh, my gosh. And since then, other allegations have surfaced. And so far, I can't tell which ones came from that same woman or others because names haven't been released to protect the identities of the women. So Right. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. So I'm just going to say like one woman claims. So one woman claims that Army Hammer did not use safe words and message messages from him to her after they had sex show that he was worried. She truly wanted to stop but couldn't use any safe words. And in her reply, she admits, I did truly want to stop for most of the time. Ha 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 ha. Oh, gosh. That's fucking scary for anyone who is dabbling in fantasy roleplay BDSM. You have to have a safe word. You absolutely do. You have have to. to have a way out of it at any time and to know that you can exit the fantasy and go back to reality. For your own safety. Yeah. Like, that's just... Like, I know it's it not, like, to fun, be part of it. but you have to because there is there can be no trust with someone if right. you don't have that. Yeah. Uh, in messages with another woman, he brings up wanting to choke her with a belt, but she replies, no, that's too much, and he responds to that with yes, which is, like, yes. Like, yes, you'll do it anyway? Like, what does right. yes mean? What are you trying to say? And the woman uh, said, it's too dangerous, and Army Hammer replied, I'm not going to clasp it. Well, the woman later noted that when they did have sex, he did clasp the belt and um, provided pictures of a severely bruised neck. Jeez. Army denies all allegations and says that every time he's ever had sex, it's been with a consenting adult, and all conditions have been agreed upon beforehand. So essentially, he's not denying that he had sexual relationships with these women he's obviously like his wife and he split so the cheating is you know he's not trying to cover that up but he's saying that they agreed to this before we got together and it's like that's fair but that comes back to the consent thing where it's like they may have agreed to it and then decided ouch this hurts or like i'm scared and it was very clear that he felt that at least from one of them, because he literally was like, I, th- I was afraid you were going to ask me to stop. And she was like, yeah, I-, I wanted to stop. Yeah. Like, you could sense that, but you still kept going anyway. So clearly you have that awareness and you just don't care. Yeah. So fucking fuck Army Hammer. Yeah. So gross. Yeah. Uh, At this point, we can't really look at this case and say, like, sexual assault allegations aside, because there are sexual assault allegations. And not only that, but a very obvious abuse of power. Because, you know, these famous yeah. men, uh, Harvey Weinstein, um, Louis C.K., 
they're always like she was willing or she wanted to be with me completely looking over the fact that he obviously could tell she was uncomfortable because he brought it up and asked her about it after and she admitted she didn't like it but of course had to add the like ha 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 at the end to make it seem less serious because this is a handsome famous billionaire actor Yep. And imagine the opportunities that he can provide for you. Imagine your life if you were to be in a relationship with this person, if this person were to take care of you. Like, you have to understand right. how much power you hold over someone in that yeah. case. And I mean, on the flip side, like being scared of what he would do if they said anything yeah. to disagree with him either. And just like, oh, I, I'm going to laugh it off and say, LOL, because I'm terrified of you and I, I need to keep you happy. It's just a scary position to be in. So to answer the question, like, is it safe and healthy for Army Hammer to explore murder and cannibalism fantasies with willing participants? I can't say because it doesn't fucking look like he had too many willing participants. No, not at all. Doesn't look like he has much control either. So Yeah. So unfortunately, we are left with kind of zero answers in this situation. Luckily, yeah. you know, things like the Cannibal Cop case and the case of, oh gosh, what was that case called? I Love You Now Die. Oh, with the What's two teenagers name? who were texting. Michelle oh, yeah. I forget Carter. her name. Gosh, that was rough. Yeah, so cases like that where it's like, we've never had this before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She didn't actually lay a hand on him. What do we yeah. do in this situation? And especially like that. I can't get into that. I have so much to say about that case. Yeah. Especially after watching the documentary. But Same. in this case, it's like, okay, how do we, like I said, what you have to do is you have to prove intent. And yeah. That's always been kind of fucking impossible because intent is all in a person's head. It's their inner dialogue. But now that we have the internet and we have text messages, it's harder to hide intent. But in a case like yeah. this, like, I don't know. I really don't know. It's it's a weird, unfortunately, it's still a weird blurry line. Mm -hmm. That's That's how all of this is. The fetishes that may or may not have gone too far. We can't really be the ones to say because it's a very strange line. Would I feel safer if Gilberto Valley was somewhere where he couldn't have access to me? Yes. Of course. Does that mean he deserves to be in prison? No. Um, it's hard. I don't, I don't have an answer for hard. this one. I don't either. I think, yeah, that's kind of the overarching theme of this whole episode is there there aren't really answers to a lot of these stories or some of the more disturbing fetishes that we talked about. It's like, I mean, what is the actual intent and when is when have you crossed yeah. the line? Like, is it just when someone is murdered or when you have harmed yourself or is it when you have all of these what we think are intentions through your messages and your chat rooms and your your journals i i just don't i don't know but that's all the time we have this week for keep it weird thank you so much for listening to our show and tuning into these leaving you and sex episodes abyss of depression and, and fear confusion um, I could tell by the reaction on social media and the initial downloads on release day last week that this topic has been intimidating for some of you. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I, I hope you learned some things about sex and fetishes and sex work, maybe even about yourself. 
Yeah. And like I said at the top of the show, please check out our next Patreon bonus episode uh, where we take a personal and more intimate look at sex. And as always, write us if you have questions or stories or if you're processing thoughts and information because we love talking to you about this kind of stuff. For sure. We'd love to open up the discussion. And if you have any questions for me, Ashley, or Amy, I don't think we're that crazy exciting of people but (laughs) well only because we're not like sex experts by any means but if you did want to know for whatever reason something about our sexual experience (laughs) feel free to write in fucking write us but i think we're recording like in the morning when this episode comes out but i'll take your oh yeah that's true it'll probably be too late you can find that bonus episode and all our other bonus features by visiting www.patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast You can find our merchandise by heading to www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast. We have a lot of good stuff on there. And please follow us on social media at keep it weird cast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our sign off today is consent, consent. Consent, well, consent, consent, consent. <laughs> what were you going to do? Were you going to sing? 100%. Oh, I was going to like totally flip the switch and say, we love you, Gabby. No, that's so <laughs> I thought, much. Like, I, know, that's I know it's so like it had different. nothing to do with the episode. <laughs> it is. I think I was just thinking of it of like this episode can be kind of like dedicated to her. Um, You know <laughs> I what? Know. I think maybe we'll dedicate a different episode to her. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Does she want the dark Do you want cannibal the, like, cop episode? The most fucked up episode we've ever recorded or would you like a nice episode? You know what? We you know, can, that's fair. I think that listeners, just if you're still here, hi. Um, <laughs> I think if you've made it this if far. If you've made it this far. I think that the next thing we're recording that isn't a bonus episode is extraterrestrials. So let's dedicate one of the extraterrestrial Ooh. episodes. I'll find a way to work cats into it. Because I have that a lot of thoughts more like of Gabby. Like cats and pharaohs and Egyptians and aliens. So like, we'll dedicate that episode to her. Ashley, you know what? That's fair. Yeah. I'm going to take back my Gabby dedication because this episode is messed It is. Up. But I think so consent. Consent, <laughs> Give y'all. me a C. <laughs> Practice safe sex, please. Yes, practice safe sex. Always get consent and let your freak flag fly. And keep it weird. Keep it weird. (laughs) Are the penguins playing? They already played. Now he's watching a different oh. game. And I'm like, you don't even yeah. care about this. Get out of here. I know. Uh, just just the same way. He's been watching all the playoff hockey. Yeah. Every single I'm game. I'm sure he says to you, like, there's more fights in playoff hockey. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what Alex says. Cool. Uh. <laughs>